Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Hello, Ashley. Hi, Candy. Happy Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving week to you, too really excited to see how this is gonna go this, this we're doing something special and it was your idea so why don't you explain what's happening yes so we wanted to do something a little light a little fun for thanksgiving and i had the idea and um, i asked candy if she wanted to do an episode on the five w's which is who what where when why and sometimes how so we have each come up with something to tell you all with the five w's but you may have heard this phrase but do you know where it comes from, Candy? Are you asking me? I am asking you. Do you know? Where oh, it's the newspaper format. It's what it you is. do when you're top. Yeah. Yeah, but do you know we- who invented them? Oh, I don't know who invented it. Well, according to an article from ThoughtCo, the English rhetorician Thomas Wilson, who lived in 1524 through 1581, quote, introduced the method in his discussion of the seven circumstances of medieval rhetoric. He Ooh. said, "Who, what, and where." by what help and by whose, why, how, and when do many things disclose? I don't know if he was trying to rhyme, but he didn't quite rhyme. (laughs) He failed. (laughs) I don't want to judge him, but I am a little. So that's from the Art of Rhetoric in 1560. 1560. I I was thinking it was more recent. Mm -mm, That's where it's from. So the five W's and we thought we're going to go through and we're going to give you guys purely our recommendations it's our own version so from some aspect of the entertainment industry who do we recommend what do we recommend where do we recommend when do we recommend and why so the when and the why we decided to leave up to creative interpretation before we start i think it goes without saying but just in case it doesn't none of these recommendations are ads and no one paid us to recommend them this is just fun and light full of things we truly love so candy would you like to start or would you like me i think you should start okay all right so who who does ashley recommend right out of the gate there is nobody else i could think of to recommend more highly than the history chicks (laughs) Beckett and Susan have been covering women throughout history since 2011 and if I'm remembering their origin story correctly Beckett was looking for a podcast on the women of the Gilded Age and there wasn't one so she saw the need and she recruited Susan to help her fill it to date they have 214 episodes Wow. I know. Their tagline is two women half the population several thousand years of history about an hour so <laughs> my all-time favorite subject they have covered so far has been Zelda Fitzgerald. She's mm. a woman that I had completely wrong, the just the wrong opinion of before I heard their research. I'm now devotedly Team Zelda, and one day I'd love to write a play about her. Also, their episodes on Annie Sullivan and Helen Keller are specifically the reason I auditioned for The Miracle Worker. And as you know, that was a really life-changing role for me. Mm -hmm. Audrey Hepburn and Jackie Kennedy, their episodes broke my heart. And 
Wallace Simpson is one that really surprised me. Their format is really conversational and it feels like you're sitting down with your two best friends and learning about history. They are really the reason I started loving history. So oh, that's yeah. awesome. Please check them out. The link to their website and the episodes I mentioned are in the show notes. If you listen and love them, tell them I sent you. Nice. Yeah. I was not as invested with my who. Okay. Um, I actually did my who last okay. because I had to think about, you know, who do I want to focus on? And finally, I decided to go with Reese Witherspoon. If you'll give me just a second to share my screen. So what made me decide to focus on Reese Witherspoon was because I thought, well, if I'm going to highlight someone related to entertainment, mm -hmm. she came to mind because she crosses so many different areas. She's actually been acting since she was 14 years old. And she's still, I think, just as big a name now and draws as many fans as she did when she was younger. Some of her current hits are Morning Show, Big Little Lies, Legally Blonde 3, which is supposed to be upcoming soon. Oh. So obviously famous actress, but also in 2012, she started a production company with Bruna Papandrea. And this production company was focused specifically on trying to promote women telling stories by and for women. When they parted ways in 2015, she went to Hello Sunshine, continued that same mission, but she expanded into podcasting. And that's when she started her book club. This is what her book club looks like. It's Aww. Reese's book club. And it expands not just in terms of, you know, entertaining with stories, which again, have women at the center, but she tries to do some good with it. I found out when I looked on her website that the people who participate in her club, the people who spend money there, all of that money goes into what they call the readership mm -hmm. programs. 100% of the proceeds go toward things like championing diverse writers, supporting indie booksellers, and increasing access to books. So for example, they organize library drops, they support writing programs, and they install book nooks in underserved communities. And then I found out she supports other causes too. So we're kind of moving outside of entertainment, but I saw in this old People article magazine from several years ago that she would choose a cause every year and she would get her kids to be part of that decision-making because she asked them for a year, they would focus on this one cause and her kids had to participate as well. And so she was trying to push back, you know, give back in that way and get her kids on board. And so I thought, you know what? I like this idea of not just being a celebrity, but also trying to do something good with it. Yeah, I'd like so spoon is my who. Okay. What do I recommend? So this one, I went back and forth on my what I recommend, but for this time in my life, here's what I want to specifically recommend, and it's medical ASMR. Oh. Yeah. So you guys know that I listened to ASMR to help me fall asleep at night, and Hannah of Chili Bee ASMR, who we interviewed last season, does a lot of medical role play. And this is going to relate to me personally, which you already know about Candy, but in one of her medical role plays, she was talking about moles, and she talked about them getting lines or looking a little different than usual. I know Hannah is not a real doctor, but after listening so many times, I started noticing that this mole on my neck that had been there a while had developed lines through it. So I was sent to a dermatologist for a completely separate issue. And while I was there, she did an examination of my skin and she saw this particular mole and she said she didn't like the looks of it. And I told her, you know, I don't either. And that I had noticed that it had lines where it hadn't before. So she removed it. And long story short, it turns out that it was precancerous, but it's 
it's not anything to worry about. I'm just gonna get a little bit more removed. It's gonna be retested and it's most likely gonna be just fine. But my point is if I hadn't been listening to medical mm -hmm. ASMR, I never would have paid attention to this mole. I have looked at it for years, but I'd never really seen it. And for those of you guys listening and not watching, the mole I'm talking about is literally, it's on our logo. It was so prominent on my neck that Matt included it in my caricature. It's right here. You can see it if you're looking. So a fun fact is that after the second removal, this will be my first ever set of stitches. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> there you go. Medical ASMR just might've been a lifesaver. And of course, wow. nobody better for it than Hannah at Chili Bee. So if you missed it before, I'm going to include her YouTube in our links. Now I figured I might as well talk about it because if we keep doing videos, I'm not going to be able to hide it. It's right here. But that's my what? Medical ASMR. It's so subtle. I don't oh, think yeah. anybody would have noticed it. I didn't even know that the mole was in our little yeah, it logo. Is. It yeah, is. in our artwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I love that you chose that because yeah. Pay how, right, how important was that? How impactful was that? Not just for your sleep, but for your health. Right. And I, I did end up telling Hannah about it a few days ago. She was very grateful. I told her. Awesome. Well, for my what, I chose something that I think will be kind of nice to share around Thanksgiving time, because this might be something that you could watch as a family if your kids were a little older, I think, not if they were really young. But my what came across my radar just recently when this TV show was recommended by two separate sets of friends within a week. Okay. So I decided I needed to check it out. What is it? So my what is a show called Abbott Elementary. Have you heard of it? I don't think so. It shows on ABC, but okay. I had to go back and try to find season one because, you know, they are now on season two. And I was able to find season one on Hulu. It is the cutest thing. Yeah. And it's, it's very well received. In fact, I looked it up. It has an 8.2 out of 10 rating on IMDb. It has been nominated for several awards, a number, and it's had some wins, including, I'm not sure if, I think they, I think it actually won three primetime Emmys, but it's definitely had a lot of nominations there. From IMDb, basically just a one sentence summary. This is a show that follows a group of teachers brought together in one of the worst public schools in the country, simply because they love teaching. So I am almost finished now with season one, and I think it is just delightful. This actress who is in the center, she is the star of the show. Uh -huh. The actress is Quinta Brunson. She actually created the show Good and job. she produces it and she writes for it. She is a comedian and, a, and an actress who based it on her mom's teaching career. That's what motivated her. She put this concept together and it has just really taken off. It's, is that fellow so, next to her, the romantic interest right there, looking at her? Right here? Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Um, it's funny, but it has heart. Oh. I mean, every episode, you feel the passion and the love for kids. You feel the passion for teaching. You feel respect for the profession. And this is the part that I think is really cute for those of us who love The Office. It has shades of that for me. It's a mockumentary. I think Quinta's character is a little like Pam okay. or maybe Amy Poehler's character on Parks and Rec. Okay. I think uh, this, this character over here, he plays a substitute teacher named Gregory Eddy and he has shades of Jim. Okay. And then the over-the-top principal, not quite there, but she has shades of Michael Scott. So 
I yeah. love the font that they chose for Abbott Elementary. It's the print and the cursive. Yeah. So there's my what. Check it out. I like it. I like it. Okay. For my where, I'm going to go local. I would like to give a shout out to the theater downstream, the community theater that I belong to and helped to co-found in 2014. Now, Candy and I typically don't like to self-promote, so this is the perfect time to mention the theater because I'm not in a show there right now and I'm not directing anything. I am, however, on the board and I do work on publicity, so take that for what it is. However, I just want to say I'm really proud of us for being this ragtag group of friends who have consistently kept a theater going for nine seasons now, even in the midst of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. I love how accommodating and flexible the actors in our group are. We've done comedy, farce, high drama, thrillers, big musicals, little known musicals, original plays, radio shows. And during the COVID quarantine months, we did a theater film hybrid release online. We've won a couple Broadway World Awards and some design awards for our posters. So overall, I think RTT group are incredible, humble, talented people. And if you're in the area, I recommend checking out a production. By the time this releases, I think we're going to be just a few days away from opening the best Christmas pageant ever. So if you find yourself here locally and it sounds like a show you'd enjoy, I will include the link to our theater in the show notes. It's a really wonderful place. For my wear, again, I'm going to have a few photos that I'm going to have to call up. So give me just a second. You got very multimedia with yours. I did. Ooh, that's pretty. All right. So I have been looking for an opportunity to bring this in. So I am more than pumped to recommend the Reed House Hotel, which is located in Chattanooga, Tennessee on Martin Luther King Boulevard. It is the most amazing place. I'll be very quick, but I will just say, you know, Kirk is a big athlete. A couple of times now he has prepared for this three day, 60 mile trail run, which is super challenging. And both times we have stayed the first part of our Chattanooga stay in a hostel, which it's lovely, but not what I really think of as my vacation spot. So this last time Kirk said, okay, how about we stay the first part there? And then we'll go someplace a little fancier candy that maybe you would enjoy. This is what I picked. This Reed House Hotel is amazing for more reasons than I have time to talk about, but I'll hit a few highlights. It is a great Gatsby inspired hotel that has been operating for 150 years. In fact, it is the longest continuously operating hotel in the Southeast that is this year celebrating its anniversary. And it is on the National Register of Historic Places. It has endured floods, the Civil War, epidemics, the Great Depression, and all the changes of Chattanooga. A lot of this information, by the way, guys, I pulled from its website if you want to look at it in more detail. But so many historic things have happened there. And I'll give just two examples. In 1884, Grover Cleveland's presidential victory was celebrated at the Reed House. Coca-Cola was first introduced in Chattanooga at the Reed House drugstore. Just a couple of quick little notes. The atmosphere, they spent something like 28 million just in the past five years to renovate it to its 1920s glory. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's unreal. I took video footage of just walking down the hallway because it was that cool. I mean, it is just amazing. And then there's room 311. What's in room 311? Room 311 is famous because two reasons it's supposed to be haunted and Al Capone stayed there. So 
Oh, is Let it haunted me... by Al Capone? Nope. Two separate things. Okay. It's supposed to be haunted by the ghost of Annalisa Netherly. She was a Reed House guest who was supposed to be murdered in her bathtub. Although I will say you'll get different versions of this. But the version I heard the most was that her husband or lover, depending on the, the story, found out she'd been unfaithful and came in and murdered her in the bathtub. Come on, man. Yes. So what they did was when they renovated it, they took it back to the way it would have looked when she looked at the wallpaper. That just screams 1920. Yeah. So this is the sitting room. And when the sitting room leads into her bedroom. Is this room 311 here? Did you stay in her room? I paid to take a tour because they do that. You can just ask, you get on a list and they will take you on a tour. They have everything back the way it was at that is time. That a telephone? That that is a phone. Yes. Cool. Now when Al Capone was there, which was like five or six years later, I believe they had to put bars on the window so that he could not escape. They, when they renovated in 2016 ish, I believe, or it might've actually been the renovation in 2004, but they put the bars back. So the bars are there. Here we are in the famous bathroom. <laughs> Um, and that's the bed. They, they have it looking a little creepy that 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 artwork is billowy above the bed. So that, yeah, this is the murder room. This is the murder. Yes. And they have a little shout out to Al Capone. They have his criminal record up there over top of one of the bureaus so that you can look at that when you're in the room. What's that that horn looking thing? Honestly, I don't know. Probably something to do with tobacco, I'm going to guess. Maybe, yeah. This is my last photo of us sitting in the little sitting room. But I could not recommend the Reed House Hotel anymore. I did pay the little fellow who gave us the tour to tell, you know, he, I asked him if he would talk about it. Did he mind? And I recorded him. And, and so as a little bonus, either at the end of our episode, or we can put it on social media, you know, I'll let that play his short recording where he tells the version he learned of the haunted room and the details surrounding it. That's my where, and I am 100% putting my stamp of approval on that one. For sure. You did so good. Uh, now I feel like uh, maybe I'll have to input some pictures later because I did not do any multimedia. All right. So my win, this is where I get a little creative. We have talked about Biltmore several times on our podcast, but we've mm-hmm. never specifically done an episode on it yet. Right. But now I've been for two of the four seasons, summer and winter. And when I recommend going is in the winter, specifically during the Christmas season, which begins November 4th of this year. Now this is directly from their website. Quote, Throughout 2022, Biltmore has been part of the national celebration of the 200th birthday of Frederick Law Olmsted, the estate's landscape architect. For Christmas, the banquet hall will be transformed into a dramatic and magical wintry scene where the home's largest Christmas tree, a 35-foot tall Fraser fir, will spend the season. Decorations are scaled to the maximum to transform an estate like Biltmore into the grand experience it is year after year. Decor in Biltmore House alone includes, listen, 64 hand-decorated Christmas trees, more than 14,000 ornaments, 45,000 holiday lights, 250 candles, 1,000 feet of garland, and 150 traditional poinsettias. Imagine the amount of time and labor that goes into that. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. That's astonishing. Yeah. So Brian and I went last year as part of our Asheville Charleston visit for our Christmas gift to each other. And if you're someone who loves lights like I do, it was, it was absolutely beautiful. We took the evening candlelight tour, which is described on their website as follows. Okay. So this is another quote. Candlelight Christmas Evenings, which is going to be November 4th of 2022 through January 7th of 2023 in Biltmore House, allows guests to step back in time with an experience reminiscent of Vanderbilt's first Christmas spent in Biltmore House in 1895. Musicians are stationed throughout the house and they perform seasonal favorites. Setting the scene is a 55-foot Norway spruce tree sparkling from the glow of more than 60,000 tiny lights in the center of the front lawn. 400 hand-lit luminaries line the walkway to Biltmore House. Those visiting for evening tours, which is what we did, they'll want to arrive early to experience the, all the estate has to offer during the season from holiday menus to the winery to Antler Hill Village and Leonardo da Vinci 500 Years of Genius, which Brian and I got to see back in September, and it was also amazing. So it's kind of like uh, the Van Gogh experience that just came through Louisville, but they've done it for Leonardo da Vinci. So if you're looking for something different for the holiday season, maybe an experience instead of gifts, I highly recommend Biltmore during the Christmas season. And I'll try to find some kind of video or something to add to our show notes so you can see what it looks like. Awesome. Kirk and I went there for Christmas a few years ago and it was gorgeous. And they were doing the Downton Abbey exhibit at that yeah, time, yeah. which was really cool. I got a little creative with my when as well. See if you guys go with me on this. I was thinking a form of entertainment that many people would call a sport, but I think it's also entertainment, would be races because they're events. When 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 you do a fun run or you do a mini marathon or you do a turkey trot or a trail run, a tough mud or whatever that might be. You're talking races, not horse I mean a a walk or a run. Okay. I think those are a form of entertainment because, you know, zombie runs, that type of thing. So I'm, I'm being, I'm stretching the definition a tiny bit. It's our show. If you guys agree with me that those could be considered entertainment, I would say when you are participating, I would recommend you wear the Hoka shoe. What is that? Tell me about this. Okay. Hoka's. I'm a fan. These shoes are They've been around a while, but I think they have been on the radar a little bit more lately. Mm -hmm. They are very, very cushioned, as you can tell. Super cushioned, yes. Yeah, very cushioned. In fact, it talks about on the website, it lists that they are great for everyday running, walking, and comfort because the thick cushioning protects your feet. It has a carefully designed rear crash pad. And of course, they're very, very soft. Mm -hmm. And it says that because these are so well designed for protecting your foot, that it's actually something that has the American Podiatric Medical Association seal of acceptance. It's a bit hard to come by, but it basically says that it's good for your foot health. And you have, it has to be, a product has to be reviewed by a group of APMA podiatrists to ensure that they would agree it's okay to put their seal on it. So I think that says a lot, depending on the style you pick and whether or not you're willing to go with like last season's model, you could save a little money that way. They can be a little pricey. That's my recommendation when you're participating in a race or if your feet hurt. (laughs) My feet hurt hurt all the time. So I'm looking at that like, oh, maybe I need to look into this. You've already made me fail. (laughs) So for... My last one, which is the why. My play on words for why is a film with the letter Y in the title. 
Ah. I'm going to paint you a picture. In a world before the Avengers, we had other superheroes, different superheroes. Before Captain America, we had Captain Amazing. Before Iron Man, the Shoveler. Before Hulk, there was Furious. Thor, meet Blue Raja. Black Widow, make room for Baby Bowler. Spleen, Invisible Boy, Casanova Frankenstein, the Sphinx. Any of these names ring a bell? They will if you've seen the 1999 film Mystery Men. I've never heard of it. You've never heard of this? No. Oh, it's such a silly little movie. Okay. Okay. Tell us about it. The plot is pretty basic. IMDb says, quote, a group of inept amateur superheroes must try to save the day when a supervillain threatens to destroy a major superhero and the city. So maybe it's because I was a teenager when it first came out, or maybe I was just the perfect age for this to settle right in my bones as a nostalgia <laughs> trip, but I adore this weird little movie. Oddly enough, I read when I was researching this that most of the cast doesn't really like it. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. <laughs> they say that they argued about the comedy and the direction the film was going, and Janine Garofalo, who is one of the stars, actively hates it and thinks it's mediocre at best. So <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Maybe I'm the only audience for this film, but you know what? I love it and I still use quotes from it. Anytime something goes wrong and it's something that I was not a part of, I still say, what do you mean we? I was right here. And if I don't say it, I'm thinking it. So <laughs> the only people who will see the movie will know what a really macabre reference that is. It's goofy and frothy and fun and it has a bunch of misfit characters that all band together to save the world from the bad guys when the one good guy, Captain Amazing, is kidnapped by the big bad, Casanova Frankenstein. And can I tell you who's in it besides Janine Garofalo? Who? Ben Stiller, William H. Macy, Greg Kinnear, Joffrey Rush, Eddie Izzard, Tom Waits, Jennifer Lewis, Kel Mitchell, Clara Forlani, and Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman. Michael Bay even makes a cameo as a frat boy. Really? Yeah, Michael Bay. And for those who wonder, like, the shoveler, he's, he's a guy who... He's shovels. That's his weapon. So if you wonder why would a weapon of choice be a shovel for a superhero, I found this on the IMDb page. It says, shovel fighting was taught to most infantry throughout the end of World War II. The reasoning was the infantry was often responsible for digging their own foxholes, and their enemies were unlikely to honor a call of time out while they went to fetch their gun or bayonet. Would this be the type of movie that a family could enjoy over Thanksgiving break if they were looking for something a little quirky, a little different? Yeah, I don't think there's anything really bad. I don't think there's bad words, really, or if they are, they're the very minor stuff. I think it's fun and silly. It's it's kind of the comedy, like, you know how Napoleon Dynamite, you either really like it or you don't. It's mm. sort of like that. Or Robin Hood Men in Tights. It's very, very quotable. Like, for example, just before stopping Casanova in his Corvette limo, Mr. Furious says the line, he's either very smart or very dumb. And this same line is spoken by Quint in reference to Bruce the Great White Shark in Steven Spielberg's Jaws. So I'm going to there because it's a little callback to our Jaws. Okay, so again, since you've not seen it, this is probably going to fall very flat, but I, I copied over some of my favorite quotes. Okay. And Mr. Furious, who's played by Ben Stiller, he is talking to Janine Garofalo's character, who's called the Bowler, about her father's death. And Brian and I use this sometimes, too. He says, seems there was a little controversy there regarding your father's death. She says, yes, 
The police say he fell down an elevator shaft onto some bullets. And the Blue Raja, who's played by Hank Azaria, says, you know, I have always suspected a bit of foul play there. And she said, <laughs> as have I. <laughs> so that's a kind of comedy you've got going on there. Like and dry and... Very dry. Yeah. Here's another exchange between William H. Macy and Ben Stiller. So the shoveler, William H. Macy, says, if we had a billionaire like Lance Hunt as our benefactor, Mr. Furious says, that's because Lance Hunt is Captain Amazing. The shoveler says, oh, here we go. Don't start that again. Lance Hunt wears glasses. Captain Amazing doesn't wear glasses. <laughs> Mr. Furious says he takes them off when he transforms. The shoveler says, that doesn't make any sense. He wouldn't be able to see. <laughs> so. Cute, cute. A little airplane-ish, right? Like yeah, a little bit a little of that. Bit. Yeah. yeah, the shoveler says at one point, we're not your classic heroes. We're the other guys. And Ben Stiller says at one point, they must have ripped the Q section out of my dictionary because I don't know the meaning of the word quit. Cute. Sounds like a cute movie. It is. It's very fun. So that's my why mystery men. And even the tagline says, they're not your average superheroes. <laughs> they don't sound oh, like it. So silly. It's so silly. And if you don't like it, uh, just don't tell me. <laughs> it's so fun. I also struggled to interpret my why, yeah. but then I got excited when I went with what I came up with. Okay. I, I was thinking about it in terms of, you know, that idea of the why or the rationale or the psychology behind something. And sure. it took me to self-help okay. and I realized I wanted to do this book that I absolutely adore. Okay. I, it's called mini habits, smaller habits, bigger results by Stephen guys. I have not heard of this. And I have heard that there is another book that has the similar premise called atomic habits that I have not read, but I have been told same idea and also really good. So somebody might want to check that one out instead. I believe it's newer, but I love this book. Okay. I have actually recommended this to a couple different people and loaned it out because it, to me, is something that I have used to try to create new habits that were positive mm -hmm. for me. Just to, to basically give a brief explanation, from the book it says, a mini habit is a very small positive behavior that you force yourself to do every day. It's, quote, too small to fail. Nature makes it weightless deceptively powerful and a superior habit building strategy. You will have no choice but to believe in yourself when you always are moving forward. The barrier to the first step is so low that even if you feel stuck or depressed, you can find early success and begin to reverse your life right away. That sounded a little really profound. Just to make like it something tiny, like brushing your teeth. That's a small thing you have to do every day. Let me, I'll make it really um, simple because most of us do just brush our teeth every day. And that's probably not something we have to work on, but he gives the example of push-ups. Oh. He says, let's say you decide I want to get in better shape. I'm going to do, and this is what we typically do, or at least I have, I'm going to do 50 push-ups a day. You might do it once, you might do it twice. And then you're like, that is too hard. I hate doing it. And for the whole rest of the year, you're done zero. You do nothing. Mm -hmm. So at the end of a year, you might have done a hundred, but they all happen in your first two days and you've done nothing over time. Right. He says, ask yourself, what's the lowest bar that I could hit every single day? It is so simple. It might feel like stupidly simple, but three, three pushups a day, five, whatever you decide, I cannot fail. I can do this every day. 
And let's say it's five. You do the five pushups and you feel successful. Yeah. And then you do it every day. Some days you might do more because once you half the battle is getting started. So you get down there and you do five and you're like, you know what, today I'm going to do 10, but you can't call yourself a failure. If you don't do 10, as long as you do your five, you have succeeded. So your success feeds success. No matter how tired you are, you're like, all I got to do is five. I don't care that it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm going to get down. I'm going to do my five pushups. And at the end of the year, you've done five every day. And a lot of days you did more and you've done it over time. And so I have used the strategy with several different habits that I've wanted to add. For example, just one of them is a, a doing a gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. And I just, as long as I write something mm-hmm. every day, one, even just one thing that I'm grateful for, I have met success. Mm-hmm. And so I've been keeping a gratitude journal for four years now. Good. So I think, it, I think it works. And I think that you know, if you choose your habits that you want to add, well, it can make you happier. It can make you feel more successful. So that is my why. All right, Ashley. Well, that was fun. Yes. And, and I like that our Thanksgiving week episode is kind of light and, and hopefully we'll give our listeners a few new ideas, maybe something they want to try. Yes, for sure. Oh, and speaking of our listeners, guys, since we've just spent all this time talking about our recommendations, we we hope that Scandal Water is something that you guys would recommend, something that you love too. Yeah, I, ho- I hope so. And we really love doing this podcast. If you love us, tell a friend. That's basically mm-hmm. it. Or write a review or share us online, any kind of word of mouth. It really it really helps us to grow. And yeah. We, we really yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, we do appreciate it. Yeah. Well, happy Thanksgiving to our listeners. And I don't know if we do we do a cheers, Ashley. I'm not sure who we would pick. Hmm. Let's cheers the holiday of Thanksgiving, a time to be grateful and to reflect and to enjoy being with friends and family. Cheers. Cheers. If you love what we do, please rate and review our show. Or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation, it would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing. At our website, www.scandalwaterpodcast.com, you can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can Join the Scandal Water community through our Scandal Water Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandal Water Podcast. This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown, that's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote, composed, and performed the Scandal Water theme and other music. Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork, and Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical support. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.